0: I think the majority of young adults, I think the majority of young millennials, they're pretty cool with the ideas of Jesus. Yeah, uh, This whole idea of love and service and sacrifice and helping others and healing others, mm-hmm. I think are really attractive themes to young adults. The problem they have with, is not Jesus, it's the Christians that they meet.
1: Welcome to the Know Why podcast. I'm your host, Liberty McCarter. For many of us, it's not enough to know what people say about life's most important questions. We also want to know why each week, know why tackles tough questions on topics ranging from spirituality to current events. While we approach these issues from a Christian perspective, we discuss diverse opinions and ultimately dive into what the research says. Are you ready to know why? Let's get started. Why does it matter if I attend church or not? Welcome to the know why podcast. I'm your host, Liberty McCarter. For many millennials and members of Generation Z, it's not enough to know what people say about life's most important questions. We also want to know why, and that's what we're going to explore on the Know Why podcast. As we know, attending regular religious services is a core part of most major religions, including Christianity. But why? Are there any real compelling reasons to attend church, or is it just a tradition or a rule? So there's actually research on this issue, which is really compelling, and we're going to dive into it on this episode. But first, I have a guest with me today. His name is Jonathan Teague. He's the uh, minister to married adults at Prestonwood Baptist Church here in Dallas, and he's a millennial, and he has actually done a lot of studying about millennials. So um, Jonathan, thanks so much for being here.
0: Yeah, Liberty, it's great to have this conversation with you today.
1: Yeah, so first, uh, before we kind of dive into the issue of whether or not there's a reason people should attend church or a house of Mm -hmm. worship. I want to lay the landscape a little bit. Um, This topic is really relevant right now because we're at an interesting time in in our nation's history uh, because for the first time, a minority of Americans belong to a house of worship. Um, Jonathan, I know you saw this research Mm -hmm. come out a couple months ago back in March of 2021 but Gallup released a poll um, revealing that only 47% of U.S. adults belong to a church, synagogue, or mosque. Um, and, and and that's significant because, again, throughout U.S. history, a majority of U.S. adults belong to some sort of church mm. or house of worship. Um, and if you're listening to this, uh, you may be saying, well, hey, we just— kind of are coming off a pandemic if you haven't noticed people wearing masks and social distancing for the past year. So obviously church membership is going to be down. People are watching online, but this actually precedes that and this mm-hmm. is different because these numbers have been declining uh for years. So just a few years ago, um in 2018, only 50% of Americans belonged to a house of worship. Um and then in 1999, it was 70% of Americans that belonged to a house of worship. So mm-hmm. this is Uh, that been declining very fast. Um, So there are two parts of this trend that I want to talk about. The first is that Americans are becoming more secular in general. And Jonathan as someone who studied millennials. You probably know. I don't know if you know any Mm -hmm. specific numbers or not, but like younger generations are like much more likely to not have any religious affiliation. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of different numbers you can chase on this Liberty. And I think it's a really important conversation because Houses of worship, as one piece described it, you know, spiritual affiliation, institutional membership. Those have been core tenets of the American experience for sure, Mm -hmm. really, since our founding and before. But even in the more recent generations, it was still an anchor part of the majority of people's lives. We have seen that statistical slide happen over the last probably nine to 10 years of quantitative research. But it's been speculated for about 20 years now, particularly amongst churches.
1: Right. So this, you know, as Americans become more secular, as younger generations in particular um, identify less and less with any sort of religious preference, then, you know, it's kind of obvious that church membership itself is going to Mm -hmm. decline. Mm -hmm. Um, But what is really interesting, and this is what Gallup also pointed out, the decline in church membership also exists for Americans who do have a religious preference. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you look at the numbers a majority of Americans actually do still identify with some sort of religion. And in mm-hmm. fact, um, still, I think it's 65% in 2019 still identify with Christianity, which has long been the prevailing kind of religious belief in America. Right. So this is not just well America is becoming more secular, younger generations are kind of falling off, not attending church. It's a lot of people still believe in a higher power. They're just not right. going to church anymore. Right. right. Um, And so those numbers have changed really quickly, too. Um, And so that's kind of the landscape. That's where we are Mm -hmm. right now as a nation. But what we want to ask on this podcast about all the questions that we bring up is, why does this matter? Specifically, why does it matter for our generations, for millennials and those a little bit younger than us who are in Generation C? So to know why it matters, we need to ask whether people who don't attend a religious service are actually missing anything. Mm -hmm. And this is where the research may surprise you. Um, The research would seem to indicate that, yes, you you are missing something. And and again, just to kind of reiterate, if you regularly attend a religious service right now, um, you are in the minority. Mm -hmm. So what are you missing? And so let's let's get into the research on that a little bit. So. Pew, if you I think it was in 2019, Pew Research Center analyzed data from over 20 countries, and I'm going to quote from a Huffington Post article because mm. they summarized it really well. Yeah. But Pew researchers concluded that people who regularly participate in religious congregations tend to be happier and more civically engaged than their peers who are infrequent attendees or who don't identify with a religion at all. Um, but this is continuing a quote from Pew Research the analysis finds comparatively little evidence that religious affiliation by itself is associated with a greater likelihood of personal happiness or civic involvement. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting because I, I think we kind of need to pause there and, and really make that distinction that in over 20 countries, um, you are you statistically happier, more engaged in your community If you regularly attend a religious service, but if you just identify with a religion, you just say, well, yeah, I believe that, but I just kind of do it on my own. Statistically, you're not going to have those same benefits. Obviously, the social aspect plays a big part. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a minister, you know that that's been particularly hard Um, in the past year with the pandemic. People have been missing that social aspect of kind of going, having a community that you go to on a regular basis. Um, But it's actually more than just the social aspect. And this is another quote from Pew. Although social activity seems to be a key driver of well-being among religiously active people, there is plenty of research to suggest that other factors play a role, too. Some researchers argue that virtues promoted by religion, such as compassion, forgiveness, and helping others, may improve happiness and even physical health if they are practiced by parishioners. Um, And I think that's important to note because... Jonathan, if I was the kind of person that didn't regularly attend any religious service and I found that, oh, well, there's benefits if I do, but they're basically just social benefits, Right. I could go join a club of people yeah. that kind of, you know, think the same way I do. Sure. I could join a CrossFit gym. Uh, if you know anything about CrossFit, those people are really enthusiastic, but they really have like this tight community. Yep. Um, there are lots of ways to get kind of that uh, community aspect, the, the social benefits from that. But there are a lot of other benefits, as Pew Research has noted. And there's actually a lot of research on this that we can't, we're kind of getting the tip of the iceberg right sure, here. Sure. Um, but there are just a few other sources and, and the things that they've studied. I'm going to read out some other benefits of attending religious services. They include better sleep, reduced risk of suicide, which is, Uh, very relevant right now in our society, Mm -hmm. better relationship quality and even better sexual satisfaction. So there's a whole lot of um, interesting benefits to attending a religious service. um, And that I think, you know, go beyond just, Oh, well, yeah, you have a community of people that you Mm -hmm. identify with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I want to kind of switch gears though, and talk about the people who are religiously affiliated Maybe like the 65 percent of people who still identify as a Christian, but they're mm-hmm. just, you know, a minority of them are now attending a religious service. Right. And let's talk about, you know, how should they think about this? Because even if you're not a Christian believer and we want to talk to people of all different backgrounds and faiths on this podcast, the Bible in our society has long kind of been upheld as a moral authority ethical guidance, something that people, you know, even people who aren't Christians will often cite Bible verses because we know there's a lot of good teaching in there, right? Um, But sometimes it can seem like, you know, and maybe this is a kind of an illiterate thing to say, um, but there's not really a command that says, thou shalt go to church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I was raised in church, but when I went off to college, I was out of state. Uh, I was like, well, I'm just going to be involved in church because that's what I've always done but I encountered some kind of problematic churches for the first time. You know, mm-hmm. I'd been kind of sheltered before. Mm-hmm. Um, I was busy. I was responsible for myself as an adult for the first time I had things going on. So the question started arising, like, even though I've always done this, you know, and research notwithstanding, cause I didn't really know all that at the time, right. but you know, what do I need to go to church? Like I have my relationship with God. I'm good. I had other friends that were asking even more like, why do you, why are you getting us up to go to church on Sunday? And right. I was like, Well, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think a lot of people right. um, have that question specifically related to what does God say about this, or what does mm-hmm. biblical teaching say? Mm-hmm. So if someone asked you that, Jonathan, you know, what does the Bible say about that? Yeah. Where where are you going to start with that? Yeah,
0: I mean, I think it's a really really important question, and so a lot of uh, a lot of people in ministry, a lot of people in church life. Um, pastors have to answer questions like this all the time. And it's just, interestingly enough, Liberty, it's a, it's a nuance of my role at our church at Prestonwood here in Dallas, Mm. where I, um, have the privilege on one of our campuses of helping people get to know our church and actually leading what we call next step, which is kind of a new member Mm. inquiring might want to join venue and where we talk a lot, it's several hundred people a year. Mm -hmm. Uh, that the Lord allows us to meet and engage with. And it's interesting because you mentioned earlier those distinctives. And I do think it's important to draw those distinctives as we talk about the why behind affiliating and participating and even committing to a local church, why Mm -hmm. that matters. Because even if you're not a particularly um, faithful Christian, right, Mm -hmm. maybe you were raised in it, maybe you are just attracted by the nuance of the morality of it, uh, whatever the reasons or the drivers are that might bring you into a participation in a church service, um, there is a distinction that that does show us. And James Emery Wright, in his book *Rise of the Nuns*, uh, Ross Douthat in his book *Bad Religion*, New York Times writer, uh, actually from a Catholic perspective, both mm-hmm. kind of argue from different ends of the same issue, which is essentially that it's not that people aren't spiritual. So this idea of spiritual nuns, right. so to mm-hmm. speak, which in some studies seem to spike pretty high, maybe as many as two thirds of millennials. Um, sort of find themselves in this categorical spiritual no man's land. I don't actually think that's a very fair representation of where most young adults are. I think most young adults are very spiritual. In fact, mm-hmm. I argued this in my doctoral work and talking about how to engage millennials in the local church. I think the majority of young adults, I think the majority of young millennials, they're pretty cool with the ideas of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this whole idea of love and service and sacrifice and helping others and healing others, mm-hmm. I think are really attractive themes to young adults. The problem they have with is not Jesus. It's the Christians that they meet. Right. So when you start to draw those distinctions of what does it mean to be spiritually engaged? And then, then the implication of, well, what does it mean to invest my life
1: mm-hmm. in a community
0: of people? I used to do CrossFit. So it's funny you mentioned that because <laughs> community is one of, it's part of the ethos of yeah. being in a box, Right is you're not just there to just, you know, get completely jacked or maybe blow your knee out. Uh, (laughs) But you're also there because you're with people of of sort of like affinity. They're there for the same reason. And so when we talk to people about engaging, particularly younger people, when we talk to them about engaging in the life of a local church, we talk about words like family. Mm. We talk about words like community. We talk about the biblical ideal of being known. So if a young adult sat across from me and they have, I have these kind of conversations all the time with graduate students, with young adults that are just in their professional life with young couples, mm-hmm. newlywed couples, uh, even young parents. And they kind of ask like, all right, I did the church thing. Kind of like you and I, I was, I'm a pastor's kid. I was raised in the church. Yeah. You know, all right, I was raised in church. I don't know if that's gonna be my thing or not, but I, I guess I should probably come back around. It's probably important. Or mm-hmm. to a lot of people that I'm talking to more and more Liberty who say, you know, I was not raised in a spiritual tradition at all. In fact, most people of faith freak me out a little bit. They're a little mm. bit weird, a little bit odd. Uh, I, don't, I have a little more skepticism baked into my worldview on that. So, you know, yeah, prove to me why I should be a part of your church. I don't ever talk. I don't ever start with membership. I start with family. Mm. So, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and that's your distinctive that you identify as a Christ follower, man or woman, then there are some implications that the Scripture gives us. Now, you got to now you got to make some jumps here, right? Like you mm-hmm. got to agree that the Bible's authoritative in your right. life for faith and practice. You got to you gotta be willing to accept Jesus's words on face value that uh, what he created and instituted after his death, burial, and resurrection mm-hmm. in Acts chapter one, the institution of the church, right? And the word there is ecclesia. So it's it's less this building or place or certainly denomination, mm-hmm. it's people. Right. It's spirit-filled, as we say, uh, spirit-filled people who love Jesus and have fully embraced his message and want to obey him. Mm-hmm. So when I talk to a young adult and they say, I'm going to marginally come when I want. Why should I invest beyond that? Mm -hmm. I started asking them questions about, well, what is it that you hope to find if you do? And more often than not, what they end up talking about without me ever having to answer the question is they talk about being known, being loved, having a place where they can serve, having a place where they can find not only community, but identity and finding a place where they have value and they get to participate in increasing value. And the good news is, is the scripture lends itself to all those things.
1: That's um, I really love that you point that out because I was actually going to reference an article um, from verywellmind.com. It came out in 2020 talking about what millennials actually look for when it comes to a place of worship. Mm-hmm. Um, and based on surveys, the top word millennials used to describe their ideal environment for a house of worship was community mm-hmm. followed closely by sanctuary. And so what I'm hearing from you is that's that's also what you are seeing young people yep. seeking and that actually aligns with what the Bible already says. Right. Um, Um, or, you know, the kind of the reasons behind why those are important for human flourishing.
0: Well, yeah, because, you know, for instance, in Matthew 18, Jesus alludes to not only the institution of the church, right? He speaks in Matthew 17 and 18 to Peter that on this rock, Mm -hmm. I will build my church. Now he's not talking to Peter there. Jesus is talking about himself, the Petros. Mm -hmm. I am the rock upon which my church, my ecclesia will be built. Uh, But he also is talking there about little rocks, Mm. Uh, not the place in Arkansas. (laughs) He's talking about little Petroses, Mm -hmm. me and you. So, People make up the body of Christ, but it's built on the foundation of who Jesus is. He talks about how to manage conflict in that church. Mm -hmm. He talks about how to advocate for one another within the church. Paul repeatedly in every single pastoral epistle pivots to the idea of how we are to commune together, fellowship together, prefer one another. If you're a young adult and you're interested in things like justice Mm -hmm. or people not being uh labeled in their lives through partiality or so well the church is where all of that takes place it's it's not a place where you're accepted because of who you are how you're raised or how much money Mm -hmm. you have it's a place where you're accepted because who you are in christ and in fact it's a place you're welcomed to come and get to know him better and so i say to young adults all the time like if you're looking for which ideally the friendliest most loving faithful place you should find it in a church Mm -hmm. And so whether you were raised in it or not, what you will find, and these are promises as ministers we have to keep, Mm -hmm. as Christians we have to keep with our witness, but what young adults in particular should find is a place that's faithful, is a place that's built on truth, and a place that's built on actually taking time to care for one another, such that the last 700 years uh, worldwide, generally Christians are the most benevolent, most charitable most redemptive. They've been the leaders in the fight against slavery. They've been leaders against the fight against children exploitation. Mm-hmm. They've been the creators of orphanages. These are all Christians and churches that have been doing this work for hundreds and hundreds of years. And that's, that speaks value to young adults before you ever get into the scripture, which mm-hmm. it's there. That already speaks value to a young adult, that this is an authentic place where something real is happening.
1: I love that. And I think that that's so important right now, because as you're very well aware, we are seeing skyrocketing rates of isolation, mm-hmm. of loneliness, depression. Um, there are a lot of reasons for this, which research has you know been digging into for years already. Yeah. But so much of it, I think, is that other um, kind of communities in our society are Devolving, We don't have those anymore. And it's right. negatively impacting people on a personal level, obviously, when they're struggling with these uh, mental illnesses or with, you know, suicide, thoughts of suicide. But even, you know, on a political scale, uh, we see what happens when people don't have authentic community in their lives. And so they're grasping for identity somewhere else. Right. And it's really interesting to see um, based on this research that The people who tend to be, you know, most engaged in their community, happiest, healthiest in a lot of areas are the ones who regularly are attending um, a church body or part of a house of worship where they have that. And and as you're reminding us, these are are principles in the Bible. And so those principles aren't arbitrary. They're not there, you know, for no reason, just because this is a tradition or this is a rule. Yeah you need to go to church to be a good person, but there's actually uh, really good reasons for that. So um, I think that's about all the time we have for this episode, but Jonathan, I want to thank you so much for joining us Absolutely. and um, our listeners. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the know why podcast. And if you're interested in diving deeper on any of these topics that we've talked about, including the research that we've cited, which there's a lot more where that came from, we'll have that posted on our website that you can go and explore on your own. Thanks for listening. I'm your host Liberty McCarter.